It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www dot sal's neighborhood pizzeria dot com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why i go all the way to st simon's for an authentic italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by our app it's free so why didn't you download it yet download it now visit our website www.billycboxing.com and click on the download the app banner can't miss it and finally today's show is being brought to us in part by my book tom molino from bondage to baddest man on a planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can get a copy of it right now uh, by visiting amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com looking to get a signed copy visit our website billycboxing.com and uh, click on the book you can't miss it and don't forget the holidays are here so if you're looking to get uh, a couple of copies to give away as uh, gifts, more than two, uh, or two or more, I should say, just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, and we'll give you uh, some discounts uh, there. So, hey, we want everybody's Christmas to be hap, hap, happy. Yeah, that's because that's who I am. I'm a hap, hap, happy guy. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, coming up a little bit later on the show, we've got some emails, we've got some sports scores, we've got some news uh, to talk about, some updates on Miguel Cotto and Sergi Kovalev, if you care. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just glanced through some emails, and, and the main topic today uh, seems to be the main topic of the show, which is uh, David Hay. Um, now, I, listen, I've been very vocal about my thoughts on David Hay. And the truth of the matter is, is I think he's a fraud. I've said this many, many times before. And I say this not because of his accomplishments in the ring as a cruiserweight, because, um, you know, he was a world champion and he was dominating. Uh, I do feel that he left the division uh, to avoid uh, Vlad Zarek. Vlad Zarek at the time, um, Christoph Vlad Zarek uh, uh, was, a, was a top guy in the cruiserweight division. David Hay was uh, uh, ready to uh, uh, fight him or, or was supposed to fight him and, and left the division and went on and, and uh, captured a, uh, a world heavyweight title. And uh, from that point on, and, and I don't even think he won 
the fight against Valuev. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, here's a guy that that was a fraud in the heavyweight division, uh, chased uh, Klitschko all around, uh, then uh, laid an egg, and and always had an excuse. I mean, this guy could write a book of excuses, and he just got one again. Um, he was supposed to have a rematch with Tony Bellow. Now, if you forgot, Tony Bellow beat him in their last fight. Tony Bellow moving up uh, to fight uh, David Hay. And uh, David Hay lost to Tony Bellow. And uh, the excuse train came again. Yeah, he got an injury. He this, he that. And uh, uh, domestically over in England, the, there was a demand, ironically enough, for a rematch. And they actually said it. And the fight was uh, scheduled to uh, uh, take place in December, uh, the 17th uh, to be exact. Uh, but yesterday, it was reported that David Hay had an accident. No, he didn't piss in his pants. He had another kind of an accident. Um, and uh, they had to uh, uh, reschedule, at least tentatively, uh, reschedule uh, the fight, which now will be held uh, uh, in uh, March or May. Uh, of uh, 2018 here's the thing he uh injured himself on a stairs on a, on a workout and and he's calling it a freak accident accidents do happen but you've heard me refer to um one of my favorite uh, shows uh of the 70s uh uh colombo and um you know the way colombo always got his guy was he let them hang themselves and I kind of see this with the excuse that David Hay has. Joining me right now from his secret undisclosed location uh, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, good morning, Sal. How you doing? Good morning, Bill. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance, but David Hay, uh, once again, uh, has uh, injured himself. And I wanted to read um, to you his, uh, his, his statement, his quote. After okay. injuring himself on a, uh, a stair machine, he says, uh, after a freak accident during a stair conditioning session, and I should say that, I, I shouldn't say machine, uh, let's just say a, a stair conditioning stair session, stepper. Uh, which I have done with no incident hundreds of times, I lost my footing and slipped. I instinctively grabbed the banister to stop myself toppling down the stairwell. Okay, so obviously it was a real stair staircase. Uh, he says, in doing so, I somehow managed to damage my biceps. I underwent a procedure to repair it. This was pretty straightforward, and my doctor and psychotherapist have no doubt uh, that not only will I be able to make a full recovery, but I'll be able to be back in the gym to start my arm rehabilitation in two weeks. I would like to apologize to Tony and his family and his training team, as well as all of the fans who have been left disappointed. Um you know, Sal, wow. Wow. he injured himself uh, on this, on uh, November 16th, uh, which was only uh, five days ago, already underwent this, the procedure to correct it. And uh, as uh, his statement suggests, he'll be ready to uh, um, resume training uh, in a couple of weeks or at least the rehabilitation on his biceps. This is what I see in, in this. And then I want to get your thoughts. You know, David Hay has been a BS artist um, as long as I can remember. Uh, this is a guy that chased Vladimir Klitschko all around, uh, demanding a fight, finally gets it, 
and laid an egg. I mean, it was a chicken shit in the ring. I mean, I, I can't describe it any other way. And then uh, tried to suggest he injured his toe, putting his foot up on the banister after the fight uh, to give an excuse why he didn't even try to engage uh, with Klitschko during that fight. And, you know, I, I see this and I read this. And the reason why I use Colombo as an as a example is, you know, I don't know about you, but it seems like he's got every angle covered about this in about this injury, similar to the way Colombo always catches his guy who always has the answer and the excuse of why someone could have killed him, uh, killed their person other than himself. You know, coming up with this whole uh, storyline. What do you see in this? Is this a legit story in your opinion, or do you see? A little too much information. I mean, you injure yourself on a freak accident. Isn't that what it is, a freak accident? You, I remember breaking all my bones in my hand once, um, opening a car door. That was a freak accident. I don't know how it happened. I just hit the hit the handle on the door, and, and it just hit my bones in a certain way. It broke four uh, bones in the top of my hand. I mean, I don't. I can't give exact explanation of how it happened. You know, David Hay seems to have the whole story down pat. Your thoughts, please. Well, first of all, was fight canceled or postponed or what? Rescheduled, yeah. Rescheduled. Okay. You know, it's problematic, and when you have a problematic situation that continues or continually happens. There's got to be. You got. You got to look at the facts. You got to look at the package you're dealing with, or you've got to say, "Hey, there, there's definitely something wrong with this picture." And you know, I remember when when I was doing multiple sports, wrestling, football, uh, pole vaulting, baseball, boxing. You know, I was pulled aside after a while and said, "Hey, look, kid, if you're serious about boxing, you got to understand these other sports are great. You can cross train." Uh, you know, to a degree, but you got to focus and you guys protect yourself and you've got to make sure you're in shape and you're ready for boxing and do not do anything that's going to be outside that's going to injure you. And I understood that then and I understood I understand it now. You know, you have to protect yourself. You have to train. You have to condition. You got to do things. You got to you got to be anticipating what the risk and reward is going to be when you're working out or something else. I mean, one time I had stress fractures because I was sprinting too much on too, too hard of a surface. All right, I laid off of that. That, that did postpone a fight, but I had dominant side. There were stress fractures on my shins. Now, I, I can't say that this did not happen to David Bay, but you would think it's David Hay. David Hay, not Bay. Hey, Come on, man. Bay, we're, Bay, in the, we're in the year was 2017. Fighter, Bay, right? Way back when. We're in 2017, hey. not 1983. But go ahead. Okay. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I got that flashback, and I, I think that uh, he uh, he's one of those guys that is going to find an accident waiting to happen, and it's just his history. And his past and his present, and we don't know what the future is. So this guy, you know, he, he's got to stop the excuses. you got to put him in a bubble, and he's got to be protected while he trains until he gets to the ring. That's the only thing I could say, Bill. I mean, I mean, I don't know. He, I don't know who's training him. I don't know who looks out after, after him. I don't know if he was just walking a stair stepper or climbing stairs, thinking he was rocking, running up steps or whatever. I don't know. But this is – this. One after another, a litany of excuses or injuries. You know, it happens once, it happens twice. 
you got a problematic guy here and you got to be careful with your investment as far as you can count on him for a main event i don't know Hey, listen, Sal Rocky Senecola, who uh, appears to be running for some political office with the dancing around the question answer. But in your opinion, Sal, straight yeah. out, do you think that there's too much information being given on what is being classified as a freak accident? I mean, yeah, like you yeah, said, I do. I right, do. Bottom right. line is yes. Right. Yes, Bill. I'm coming forth. Yes. All right. All right. That's all we ask, Sal. It's you know, full. I, I, it's full. <laughs> all yeah, right. You know, I, I dance a little bit. I, 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 I mean, you got uh, Fred Astaire. You ask me what time it is. I'm going to tell you how they make the watch. Listen, Fred Astaire had nothing on you. But, uh, you know, listen, the, the truth yeah. of the matter is when you have a freak accident, it's exactly that, a freak accident. You say to yourself, I don't know. I don't know how I broke my leg. I was walking to the mailbox, and next thing I know, I, I broke my leg. You know, you don't say, well, I was walking to the mailbox, and I stepped on this little piece of stone, and then the way that stone twisted my ankle just the right way, put an extra little stress on my leg, and I broke it. You know, I well, mean, you come know on. What? Maybe he's got a future. He's going to be an author. He's got. He pays attention to details, so he's... You know, he's exercising this. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, but I'll tell you what. It's it's a bunch of bull. You don't you don't you don't do this thing. You don't orchestrate it. You don't come up with a story. You get injured, you get injured. And you you go lick your wounds, you go get better and then and, and you come back out. That's it. I don't know. Maybe he's got maybe he's got uh some uh, some conditioning issues or something else. He just feels he needs a little more time to get ready for this fight. Now, what he is is a con man. And for some reason, the the uh, you know, British boxing public seems to want to see this guy they they most of them love david hay and i don't get it i mean he's done nothing for boxing and he's talked a lot of smack you know it reminds me i don't know how many young people out there that are watching this show uh, actually read anymore but the old book that uh i read in in school um, you know the, the boy who cried wolf type of a story is similar to this you know because David Hay has come up with so many excuses, and, and right now, the way I'm acting and the way I'm assuming, and you know what they say about that, but, uh, you know, assuming that, you know, he's, uh, uh, you know, telling a tall tale, he could very well be 100% truthful, but because of the be. historical uh, aspect of, of all his stories... And the fact that he's always got an excuse, you know, uh, I don't want to make an excuse, but, you know, but, I, I the mean, old but. yeah, you know, I mean, he's got so many excuses that it's hard to believe this guy. And, and I, you know, I just think that maybe he wasn't in top physical condition and he realized that, you know, uh, his fight was less than a month away, which I mean, let's be really, you know, he, he could have gotten in decent condition in a month, but whatever. Or maybe he decided he wanted to go and do some things for the holidays and enjoy didn't want, the holidays. Uh, maybe he's gonna take off, take a week in the islands. Who knows? I, I, you know, I was just gonna say, just, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> it almost seems like he wants. To, he decided, you know what? I want to enjoy the holidays. I don't want to worry about training. I don't want, I want to eat. I want to do this. I want to do that. Let's schedule it. 
for uh, exactly. March or May, and then this way I can go and do whatever I want for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. Or actually, I don't, he probably doesn't even celebrate Thanksgiving. Maybe he does. He's, he lives, uh, I think, in the U.S. now. I, I, I'm pretty sure most of his time I, Yeah, I don't know, man. But, uh, <laughs> but either way, it seems like David Hay doesn't care where he is. He'll celebrate any holiday, and, and it is the holiday season. So maybe I think you're right. Maybe, maybe he decided that he didn't want to be in training during the holidays, and uh, maybe it was better for himself uh, to be able to do whatever he wants and then resume a serious training regimen uh, after the holidays. I mean, what, you think that? I mean, could be- that that hey, guess what? That that sounds like a great game plan. Are you in? Are you in his corner? Tell you what, why don't you give phone? Give you you give him our phone number. Let him call in, and explain himself in detail. Right, right. I got. Um, you know, normally I I just um, uh, like. Uh, uh, I usually don't respond to to uh, the Facebook Live. We simulcast on Facebook Live. Uh, it's not the real uh, video uh, cameras that we have for the television or or anything like that. Uh, but I like it. It's fun. And I I just I, I just got a comment on uh, my man Ernie. Uh, he says anytime. Uh, uh, an excuse is so long-winded; it's it's hard to to believe, and <laughs> it's and it's hard. true. I uh, mean, there's a credibility issue there, Bill. Well, I mean, that's what we're talking about, you know. And, it's and one I'm saying, after another. I, I, I'm just saying, like he 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 had so much. There was so much uh, explanation. I mean, a simple hey, I was working out on the stairs, and I don't know what happened. Next thing I know, I I, I injured myself. Case closed. I mean, that's more believable than, you know, I, I instinctively went to grab the banister as I lost my footing, you know, and, and I, I tore a bicep, which it does seem a little crazy. I mean, I, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. But uh, anyway, Sal, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. When I come back, we got more on that. We got more on a lot of things. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching The Billy C Show. Uh, Don't forget, check out our website, www.billycboxing.com. And if you are watching uh, the show or or, uh, on Facebook uh, Live uh, simulcast, or if you're uh, listening on the radio dial or even replaying a podcast, don't forget the full version, the same version that goes to the television networks, we upload up on YouTube every day. Uh, so you can either watch us live because we do stream on on YouTube, or uh, watch the show via YouTube. Uh, it's a much more, uh, it's a better quality uh, version of the show, no question about that. You can go to YouTube.com/slash/talkingboxing. T A L K I N B O X I N G. I'm here with Sal Rocky Senecola, who's uh, admiring his coffee cup. And uh, I, I tell you something, uh, Sal. You know, it, it really, in my opinion. Uh, it, you know, when you have an accident, a freak accident, it's exactly that, a freak accident. You, you don't have, um, you know, all the answers. And, and, and what I see happening here is that 
you know, he and his team said, you know, what can we do to get out of this fight? I mean, what can we do that, that the fans are going to believe? And think of the ramifications. I mean, they had uh, the uh, uh, O2 Arena in London. You know, they could have been evaluating what pre-ticket sales, uh, how they were going, how they weren't going. Maybe they were going a little slow. Uh, maybe they uh, decided that uh, they needed more time to promote it. They needed a, a, another storyline. I mean, there could have been a lot of factors uh, aside from him just wanting to eat his face off uh, for the holidays. I mean, um, I, what's your thoughts? What was the original date of the fight? December 17th. That's that's my point. Well, that's about the whole that. damn that, thing. That, you that's know, a month away. He wants to go Christmas shopping. He wants to eat. He wants to go to a party. I don't know. I can't say that. But, you know, let me tell you something. You know, you 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 set a date. You go backwards. And you look at your months you're going to have to train or prepare eight weeks, six weeks for this fight. And you outline where you're going to be doing your accelerating, your running, your this, that, your sparring, uh, your bag work, your your light work before the fight date, the last week. And, uh, you know, it, it's pretty much calculated. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't understand it. Unless he, you know, I'm not going to call him, you know, I don't know. I don't know his injury. But when you go into so much detail about injury for the press and everybody else, you say, hey, look, I had a freak accident, injured my arm. That's about it. And the uh, doctor says I need a couple of weeks uh, to repair it. And what, what kind of re reparation, what kind of repair did he get? Did, it, did they uh, operate? Did they, did they, well, I, I mean, what are they talking about? He, how do you injure your bicep if you fall down? I don't know. Did he grab a bouncer and try to curl the Weight. I don't know. You're all breaking up now, my I man. Don't know. But, but I don't uh, want to look at but, it. But but he he according to his uh, uh, statement, which I'll read again, he says after a freak accident during a stair conditioning session, which I've done with no incident hundreds of times, I lost my footing and slipped. I instinctively grabbed the banister to stop myself from tumbling down the stairwell, and in doing so, I somehow managed to damage my biceps. I underwent a procedure to repair it. This was a pretty straightforward uh, procedure, and my doctor and psychotherapist have psychotherapist, no Psychotherapist, that's the key. <laughs> <laughs> right, have no doubt that not only will I make a full recovery, but I'll be able to be back in the gym to start my rehabilitation in two weeks. Uh, I would like to apologize to Tony, his family, his training team, as well as all the fans who have been left disappointed. Um, I... I think David Hay is full of you-know-what, and I think that the bottom line is David Hay is just milking uh, the boxing public that's willing to pay to see him fight, uh, which uh, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Um, you know, as far as uh, Tony Bellew's concerned, I mean, he's always in a win-win situation fighting David Hay. He won the last fight. Uh, he is, I'm sure, getting paid handsomely uh, to fight David Hay. And, um, you know, the, the, the confusing part for me is why the fan base in, uh, in England even care about David Hay. I mean, they have some really good, uh, legitimate fighters in England right now that they could be standing behind. Um, and, and by the way, David Hay, for, for the last I knew, anyway, most of his time is spent uh, in California. Uh, you know, he lives uh, a, 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 in California most of the time for, you know, throughout the year. So, I, I mean, you know, not only do they have Anthony Joshua, but, you know, Dillian White and, and uh, Triple D 
the young uh, uh, heavyweight that we're, we're talking about uh, all the time. Uh, uh, they have uh, other weight classes over in England that uh, are, you know, controlling uh, the sport. I, I, why waste your time and your hard-earned money on David Hay? Well, you know, he's a prodigal son of the origin there and everything else. And so, you you know, you always root for your your uh, your grassroots. And, uh, you know, I'm always a Jersey boy no matter what I do, no matter where I go from a little town called Rivervale. So, you know, it's a, it's always uh, something that you still have your your fans, your fan, friends, your family. And, uh, you know, it's it's part of that pocket, part of the, the facet of what you do the rest of your life that's going to be followed I, by people who have that interest in you. I think that uh, that's that's probably the reason. David Hay probably said, you know what, I want to hang out with my mates. You know, that's that's what they call them in England. You know, we call they do, them eh? buddies. You know, I want to hang out with my mates, you know. <laughs> I want to go and uh, have a few pints, you know. I want to, uh, you know, eat a few pieces of cake, you know. Not that, not that – uh, the weight makes a difference in the heavyweight uh, division, but I think there's a lot of pressure on him if he's even somewhat. I don't believe a word he says, uh, and I like I say, you know, I use this word a lot, probably too much. But David Hay is definitely a fraud. Um, I, you know, when you when you dissect, and I've done it uh, many times, you dissect his his uh, resume, and really, I mean, who's he fought? I I, I don't know. I don't know. Even in the cruiserweight division, I mean, you can't criticize um, you can't criticize fighters for having uh, you know to be forced to fight weak opposition. Uh, you can only criticize fighters for not fighting uh, you know the fights. So uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, pretty fishy. Um, I uh, uh, will start uh, with one email before we take a break, and it's from my man uh, Mitch. He says. Uh, referring to this, uh, and his subject uh, on the email was fraud. He says, uh, this guy, referring to David Hay, made all his money on the Klitschko fight, and he has seemed to have lost the passion after his big payday. Something about this story doesn't add up. Um, you know, whether he's lost the passion for fighting or not, or, or at least being competitive, he certainly didn't have the competitive passion against Klitschko his his game plan against Klitschko was to survive 12 rounds. That's it. Uh, and if he could somehow squeak out a win, uh, you know, more power to him. I, he did not fight that fight like he was trying to really win the fight. And since that fight, he has not done that either. I, I mean, he just, um, I, I think he's a con man, Sal. I think he's a 100% con man, and he's taken advantage of the of a fan base that believes in him and believes all these stories. Well, it, it appears that way, Bill. And you know what? I, I, I picked up on the second reading of your statement. And uh, psychotherapist said he'll be ready or take. What does he need a psychotherapist telling him? Okay, I know this happened. It was devastating. But you need to understand <laughs> you'll be fine just a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I let, if you have a psychotherapist in your corner, who, who's something a little different than Boudini Brown for Ali. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe you got other issues that you need to be on track with, you know. I don't know. He, is, is you lose cannon, you wake up and say, ah, I'm going to fight uh, tomorrow. Uh, hey, you know what? Let's postpone that fight. So if you're lose cannon like that, forget about it. But a psychotherapist said he should be fine 100%, right? <laughs> you know, Sal, we talk about it all the time. You know, like we goof around about, you know, how weak uh, our society has become mentally. And, 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 you know, and, and I always use the participation trophy as an example. But I think 
you know, you 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 stumble across uh, the answer of all answers. Uh, here we are in the sport of boxing, arguably, uh, you know, uh, the most brutal sport. And and, and part of the teams now, yeah, you, you know, you used to have the fighter, his trainer, maybe another guy, a cut man, you know, maybe maybe an extra guy hanging around. Yeah, you know, maybe a team consisted of. Uh, let's be generous and say four people, you know. Now, you got those same four. You got the fighter. You got the trainer. You got a cut man. Now you have a nutritionist. Now you have a, a, a psychotherapist in your corner. Now, now you have a, a guy that's going to help you with, with exercise. Now you have, you know, a specific this and specific that. You know, uh, you, know you, you, you practically have guys to do the exercise for you. You know, uh, you know it's a joke. You know, and, and to reality. even to, to, con to <laughs> consult with a psychotherapist about how you're really feeling, David, about this injury. How are you... How are you really feeling? Yes. Like you just said, Sal. Yes, I'm sure you're devastated. And I'm sure that there are a lot of other people that need to seek some uh, mental assistance uh, because yes, they're yes, equally as devastated. But you need to, to get out of this rut, David. You need to go forward. It reminds me of that old... You need to believe in yourself, David. It, you need to understand this is just a temporary setback. We want you to think positive. Think you can, that you will. It's all a state of mind. It, it reminds me of that, <laughs> that show... Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, I forget. Da David and Goliath. Oh, David and Goliath. And the dog Davey. would always. The dog would always go. Gee, Davy, I don't know why you don't think that, Davy. You know that I, dog that, was smart. Yeah, I look for a Goliath every time I got a pet. I said, "Hey, you Goliath quality." Yeah, <laughs> What do you? That, that, that's what David Hay really needs. He needs that wait, dog wait, in his wait, corner wait, wait. to say, gee, Davey, you okay, should get that's, out that's, there. Take your time off, Davey. You know, but uh, anyway, hold There's that thought. Guy that's What's in it? prison right now because a dog used to talk to him. Oh, yeah. He's a son of Sam. Him. Son of Sam, actually, <laughs> he's been up for parole. He's a model citizen. Uh, hold that thought. I'll tell you about nah, that. I don't want to hold that uh, thought. In, him, in a second. Don't go nowhere. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, speaking of today, which rhymes with today, is uh, the fraud, David. Hey, you like that one, huh? You knew I, I was like that. That was good. I like that. I saw where that poetry was going. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to thank uh, for the email we read just before break, uh, my man Mitch, for that one. Get you guys caught up with uh, some other sports. Monday Night Football. What a shootout that was. 34-31 Falcons topped the Seahawks. Uh, I started watching that game. I was nodding out every time I, I, I looked up. Uh, another touchdown was scored, you know. So uh, Falcons uh, another hawk. Uh, seemed to uh, uh, righted their ship. They were on a, a downswing for a bit. 
34-31 over the Seahawks. In the NBA, the Hornets beat the Timberwolves 118-102. The Cavaliers over the Pistons 116-88. The Pacers uh, topped the Magic 105-97. The 76ers beat the Jazz 107-86. The Knicks beat the Clippers 107-85. Trailblazers over the Grizzlies 100-92. The Wizards over the Bucks 99-88. The Pelicans which still doesn't sound like a, a basketball team to me. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Pelicans, Say that one more time. I want to hear that again. The what? Pelicans uh, beat <laughs> the, Pelicans. the Thunder uh, 114-107. The Celtics uh, beat the Mavericks in overtime 110-102. In case y'all forgot, or in case y'all haven't noticed, the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. 16-2 and is their record right now. The Spurs beat the Hawks 96-85. And the Nuggets topped the Kings 114-98 over in hockey. Hockey, the Blue Jackets beat the Sabres three to two. Uh, the uh, Coyotes beat the Maple Leafs four to one. The Predators beat the Jets five to three. The Devils over the Wild in overtime four to three. The Ducks beat the Sharks, not in real life, but in hockey in a shootout three to two. And the Flames, oh those Flames, Sally, they beat the Capitals four to one. So uh, uh, that's what uh, took place. Uh, uh, in uh, in the in the other sports, but uh, got some other emails. You ready to read some emails or what? I'd love to. Absolutely. You let like me to... consult my psychotherapist. First. <laughs> yeah, let me see if I can handle them. Let me see if I can handle them. I don't know. It's some, only, some it's of only might words be, on paper. Some of it might be critical. But uh, okay. anyway, this is from the, the freak uh, that we have that uh, is a regular listener, viewer, and chat room person. Willie says, uh, All right, Willie. Hey, Billy C., just in case you haven't heard, David Hayes' rematch uh, with uh, fellow Brit Tony Bello has been postponed after David Hayes slipped on the stairs in a freak training accident. Hayes, who's had surgery on a tour for his torn biceps, uh, said he was devastated. <laughs> Obviously, he had to consult his uh, psychotherapist on that one. Um, he said, uh, After a freak accident during schedules, where I've done so in an incident, blah, blah, blah. The quote that, uh, uh, he uh, wrote, uh, he says, uh, Willie says, I think that David Hay has a serious problem with the tissue that bonds his muscles together. I remember Sal mentioning some time ago uh, about how it's a problem for some of the body beautiful type boxers, the ones who can't decide whether they want to be a boxer or a bodybuilder. Something definitely isn't right with Hay's body. He's fallen apart, for goodness sake. Uh, maybe you can... Uh, uh, you and Sal can give us your thoughts on what's going on here. Um, and he's referring to Hayes' injury-prone body. Listen, everybody's more injury-prone as they age, but I'm a firm believer that David Hay is just a bullshit artist. I, I mean, I can't put it any other way. I can't sugarcoat it, sugarcoat it. This guy's a bullshit artist. And, and whoever believes him, shame on you. What do you think, Sal? Well, I mean, there is an issue. I mean, like I said, when I was younger and uh, coming up as a teen, and 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 uh, I had I had a, a developed body. I was naturally my fa whole family physiologically, they were strong. They they looked like they were lifting weights before people were really lifting weights. They were they were you know, uh, muscular. And uh, and as I was developing in other sports, I would get certain injuries, and. The doctor would say, Sal, you got your body's still maturing, and sometimes the muscle tissue is stronger than the connective tissue, the ligaments, the tendons, and all that stuff. And the same thing when you age. It, 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 it's like a whole cycle. 
you know, your muscles are here, your ligaments and tendons are here, you mature, they get even, they're balanced with each other. And then as you age, it starts to fall again. The muscle tissue is still stronger than in fading ligaments and connective tissues. And that's where you can have injuries because, you know, your, your muscular is pulling one way, but the connective tissue is stretching and limiting and ripping and tearing. You ever see old, older guys, sometimes they have these Popeye biceps. That's because a lot of times these tendons here, they rip without even hurting anybody and they just drop the muscle. There's no longer muscle unless they want to get it surgically repaired. Now, I'm talking about older gentlemen, not ones that are going to be really fighting uh, at, at that pace. But, yeah, that's it's it's an imbalance on some level of, of connective tissue and muscle tissue. Like I said, David Hayes is a bullshit artist. Uh, all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say is, like I say, Sal, David Hayes is a bullshit artist. You know, that's uh, the other I, thing. I don't believe, I don't believe <laughs> a thing, thing he says. And and if you if if you've never read The Boy Who Cried Wolf, get yourself a copy and read it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Thanks for the email, Willie. Uh, next email is from a man, Jesse. He says, uh, "Hey, Billy, see what's your thoughts on fast-growing, highly touted prospect uh, Teofimo uh, on his." Uh, Comments about Rigondeaux against Lomachenko. Uh, Tio is a thinker and a studious fighter. Um, he's referring. He, he had sent me a clip. He's referring to uh, uh, Tio Fimo as, as uh, saying that he feels that uh, uh, Lomachenko uh, will beat Rigondeaux, and he's been sparring with Rigondeaux. Um, wow. You know, I, my thoughts on that. You know, I. It's hard. <sighs> I have this thing about fighters that become sparring partners. Now, I'm not suggesting that Teofimo is going to become a sparring partner. He's a young fighter, and he needs the time in the gym, especially with a quality fighter like, like Rigondeaux. But, you know, and Sal, you correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're, when you're in um, sparring, when, when you're preparing, let, let me start over. When you're preparing for a fight, and you bring in sparring partners, and you're the guy preparing for the fight, and you know you bring in X amount of sparring partners, aren't you using those sparring partners to work on specific things? I mean, you certainly aren't trying to get in there and you know, have a knockout, drag out, kill a fight, a war, if you will, with a sparring partner. I mean, that's not helping you prepare uh, for an upcoming fight. And, and, and if I am correct about... Uh, that aren't you bringing in specific sparring partners and asking them, uh, hey, listen, we want to work on X, Y, Z, so we want you to do this. I I am I right or, or am I missing something? No, you're you're right to a degree. I mean, there are there are times where you know, like like uh, one time uh, I, w I was training up in Forty Second Street Times Square Gym, and there was Gil Clancy and Juan Laporte and Emil Griffith. And they said, hey, Sal, can you move a few uh, rounds with Juan? He said, yeah, that's fine. And, you know, you, you do your best. You're not going to try and kill each other. But, you know, you never know. You heard of gym wars. That's sometimes where they break out, gym wars. Um, yeah, but when you go away to camp, uh, you know, you you specifically have a set design of who, you, who you're going to bring or invite as a sparring partner. And you're going to use this guy for some reason. You're going to use that guy for another reason. And you're going to go through a gauntlet. You know, maybe you're going to spar two rounds or three rounds with this guy. He's getting out of the ring. Then you bring in another guy, and he goes three rounds. And you get him out of the ring. You get another guy. So you get a fresh meat, and you try different things, and you try something, and it's conditioning. Uh, but 
a lot of times you can have a gym war erupt. And, you know, they'll either say calm it down. The trainers, uh, sometimes they anticipate they have this. But, you know, it's it's all about uh, it's all about keeping a fighter sharp and uh, learning and 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 just crisp and ready and conditioned. I mean, that's it. I mean, when uh, I was with uh, Stallone and, and Richie Giacchetti, and we had a camp with uh, Lee Canellino, Aaron Pryor, myself, Vinny Curto, we were out in California, in Culver City. Stallone built us a gym there. And uh, Aaron Pryor, I was fighting on, on the undercard, and um, I got cut and had to pull out. But his last successful title defense was against uh, Gary Hinton, and that's the card I was supposed to fight on with Aaron Aaron and I, we sparred for eight weeks almost every day. We sparred hundreds and hundreds of rounds. There was no other sparring partner. I was his only sparring partner. Every day we had basically a gym war. And, and, and uh, I mean, we loved each other, but we're trying different things and everything else. And, and people were there. We used to fill up the, the darn gym just to have people come and watch us spar. But, uh, you know, it worked. We got ourselves in great shape. And we ran every morning. But uh, So it, it depends upon the fighter. It depends upon who you're going to fight. It depends upon, upon the style. Now, I didn't have the style for Gary Hinton, but I was just a, a warrior. We were in condition. And, uh, uh, you know, so for that purpose, Richie Giacchetti thought, hey, let's just work together with you guys for certain reasons. And that was it. But, yeah, then the other time you'll have a boxer. You want to bring in this guy for this style? It, it depends, Bill. It really depends upon the fighter. It depends upon the opponent he's going to face. So it's subject to change at any time. Well, my point was was that, um, you know, uh, he's sparring uh, Rigondeaux, uh, helping prepare Rigondeaux for Lomachenko, but then says Lomachenko is going to beat him. Um, I, I don't know for sure. That's not good. He, well, I, I don't know for sure <laughs> if he's good. ever sparred Lomachenko and he can Hello. give a – give a, 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 a you know a firsthand assessment or if he's going by what he sees in Lomachenko and then what he's actually doing with Rigondeaux. It's going to be a good fight, but uh, either way, uh, Teofimo uh, is a fighter that uh, is a prospect on the rise. When you see other fighters on the other side of the career, like we saw recently, Moritz Wach fight uh, the baby Miller, who's another overrated bum, uh, you know, he took on that sparring partner mentality. Um, I'm talking about Wok, you know, so and I'm not suggesting that Teofimo has yet, but uh, he also goes on, uh, Jesse goes on to say, Billy Jose uh, Carlos Ramirez needs to work on his footwork, head movement, uh, return his punches faster to guard his chin. Uh, Amir Aman will uh, uh, test him highly. Amir Aman is a, is a strong puncher. Um, what I liked about Jose, what, what I like about Jose uh, Carlos Ramirez, uh, is that he, uh, he he's a fast uh, fighter. He comes at you, um, no no pussyfooting around. Uh, yeah, he, he all fighters today, Jesse, in my opinion, uh, don't move their heads enough, and that's why we see uh, these guys taking uh, beatings. If you go back and look. Uh, at the you know older fights from from the greats, um, yeah, there there are some uh, you know boxing has evolved uh, from a scientific standpoint. There's no question about that, uh, but you certainly see a lot of fundamentals like head movement, footwork, uh, position, you know, moving, maneuvering is the word I want to use. Maneuvering your opponent uh, to a position where you can uh, you know inflict damage or. Um, you know, uh, do what you do best against him seems to be lost. 
Uh, and that's what, um, you know, some of these fundamentals like head movement, foot movement uh, work. And I, and I do agree that uh, Carlos, uh, uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez, he has hand speed, but he does need to increase the speed a little bit uh, with his counter punching. Is that even possible, Sal? Can you, can you work on hand speed from a counter punching perspective? You could, but you have to be drilled. It has to go over and over, and your trainer's got to be right on top of you. You know, you're going to take a shot, you slip it, and boom, you, you do this. You got to, it's like acting on a dime. You got to boom, turn around. You know, it's, it's amazing, Bill, but a lot of times, what could make you a great or world class fighter or just an average sparring partner is right up here, unlocking your mind. And if you see yourself as being methodical or slow or this and that, that's all you're going to do. Uh, when you see yourself snap with the punches and boom, you know, boom, it's it's because you're unlocking, you're, you're, you're realizing them, and you know what you have to do. It's the kinesthetic sense. Not every fighter has it, but it, it's the body and the muscles in touch with the brain, and it's like a trigger. Boom, but a boom, but a boom. And uh, some fighters can't, some fighters can't, but uh, you got to drill it. You got to practice it. You got to hone it in, and you got to, you know, try and use all those God-given talents and skills that one possesses. Well, just like Coach just said in the chat room, it's it's all about timing. You know, listen, why do you suppose Floyd Mayweather always took a couple of rounds before he, he was able to really shift it into, into gear where he was, not that he was exciting by any stretch of the imagination, but his counterpunching came, you know, after the fourth, fifth, sixth round. And that's because he had, uh, you know, gotten to know. He, he, he felt out his opponent and he was able to time them. And then the counterpunching, which makes a counterpunch seem quicker, is when you're already releasing it as the punch is still coming at you. You know, you're still getting that punch from your opponent and you already know it's coming. You're avoiding it and at the same time unleashing your own counterpunch, uh, which would give the uh, the illusion that it's coming faster. It's just coming at you uh, at the right time. Um, he says... True. Uh, that's so true. Yeah, no. He says, uh, Luis Arias did not want to really box Danny Jacobs. Hopefully, Jacobs gets a big fight next. Maybe the winner of Lemieux versus Sanders, Saunders would be uh, a good one. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, Arias... I think Arias was trying to... Uh, I think Arias was trying to, to bring Danny Jacobs out of his game, you know, mentally, and couldn't. And then... Uh, you know, Danny Jacobs was, in my opinion, was content with um, just outboxing him. And uh, Arias was uh, content with letting him. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was hoping that uh, uh, Danny Jacobs would have made a bigger statement. I mean, but like Cut Manrella said the other day in an email, he won every round, which he did. Uh, but, you know, in this middleweight landscape right now, aside from Triple G and Canelo, you got Lemieux and Saunders. And Danny Jacobs is the next guy. I mean, Danny Jacobs, you know, destroy Luis Arias, knock him out in that fight. And, you know, people are going to start uh, putting Daniel Jacobs' name up, uh, you know, uh, with the Triple G and Canelo, you know, uh, possibly bypassing a Lemieux and Saunders. But I do agree uh, that would be a great fight. But like I've said all along, I I'm looking for uh, uh, Danny Jacobs to uh, get the shot at uh, Murado's title. In uh, Murata title, Murata's title uh, in Japan. You watch, that's what's going to happen. He says, uh, uh, Cletus Selden uh, against Steve Claggett, uh, Ulysses Jr., Maurice Hooker next. Um, I, yeah, he was impressive 
with uh, his ability to come out and attack his opponent. Um, uh, Claggett would be a good fight. Uh, Listen, we said it when we talked about the fight. Uh, Selden was impressive, came in shape, seemed bigger, very primitive. This guy is going to have trouble when he fights a a, a true boxer. Um, He just doesn't have the skill set, but he throws a lot of punches. He's got a lot of heart, and he's got that freakish punching power, which is always an equalizer. Uh, thanks for the email. Uh, we got another one here. This one's from uh, Joel. Uh, and this is the last one I got today. Sally says, uh, hey, Billy C., uh, welcome back. It was hard. Uh, well, let me finish the sentence. He says, it was hard for me to go uh, about my week uh, without uh, you and Sal on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like we took a vacation, and, and I know Joel knows this. We had some uh, uh, system issues that— uh, We had to talk to our uh, psychotherapist. Yeah, we had—you know, we, we took some time off, and uh, it affected both Sal and myself, and, and we've been uh, in therapy ever since. Uh, uh, how's your therapy going, Sal? Oh, it's, I, I confused my guy, and he's, he's already he's already in therapy himself. I was just going to say, my therapist <laughs> is now seeing people after talking to me because— uh, you know, he's uh, he's uh, a little uh, out there right now. But uh, he says, after it was announced today with no surprise that David Hay is out of his match with Tony Bellow on December 17th with torn uh, bicep, Dillian White uh, has tweeted to Eddie Hearn that he would be more than willing to step up on short notice and without a proper camp to face Bellow on that date. It's not really a short notice. It's a month away. I mean, uh, three days less. I mean, it's four. Yes, most fighters like six weeks. But assuming that these guys are in decent shape, I mean, if you've learned one thing from the great fighters uh, in the past, at least uh, uh, most of the top fighters, they stay in shape. You know, the they guys do. that the guys that let themselves get out of shape and then go into a, uh, an eight-week tra- uh, training uh, program for a fight and spends four weeks on conditioning and then four weeks on a game plan, those are the guys that usually have had trouble. You know, when you see guys that maintain uh, a decent uh, shape between fights, these guys are the ones that come in with more and better executed game plans. So, uh, you know, assuming that Dillian White, a guy that's on the cusp, to suggest that he's not in good shape. Uh, But anyway, uh, he says, do you think Eddie Hearn will salvage the card by giving the U.K. fans a solid replacement by putting in uh, White, or do you feel it's too much risk that White could stop Bellow and kill the momentum that Tony has been building up since losing to Adonis uh, in 2013? I'd love to see that fight and hope they can work something out because that'd be a massive uh, uh, U.K. fight. I would be more interested in that then the original match of a uh, rematch of uh, Bellu Hay. And to be honest, how do you even feel about Bellu uh, campaigning at heavyweight recently? Do you think he should try his luck at 175 with Ward retired? Or are you happy seeing him move up two weight classes that heavy? What's your and Sal's opinions? Uh, and he wanted to go on to say, I wish you guys a happy uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving too, Joel. Um, you know, Thank you, Joel. I, you too. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Bellow should stay in a lower weight divisions. I mean, you know, as far as Dillian White, you know, I know Tony Bellow is considering staying in the heavyweight division and wanting to fight this and wanting to fight that. 
The truth of the matter is, is David Hay is a fraud. He can't fight. Why doesn't David Hay fight Dillian White? Why doesn't David Hay go after, uh, you know, a, 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 a name over in England? How about Tyson Fury and David Hay fight? How about that? It's a good you fight. Know? That's yeah, a good they, fight. They're both, they're That'd both, be good. Uh, Welcome back to Tyson. Yeah, you know, and David Hay, uh, you know, I mean, that would be a, a decent fight. I mean, Tony Bellow, I, I think, should stay in the lower weight class. I don't think he poses a problem for any real heavyweight. What do you think? Well, I think you're right. I think you know he'll he's good at where he is. I mean, but if he you know stays in the lower weight, he you know he'll be a strong big guy. And uh, you know some of these heavyweights, as we know, they're they're, they're over 250 pounds. They're six foot seven. They're six foot five. And you know uh, it's 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 a different world today. I mean, it really is. I mean, when you look at the heavyweight champions of yesteryear, I think the last smaller heavyweight was probably Evander Holyfield, and he wasn't that small either. But uh, you know. Uh, today it's it's by standards. I mean, what's the cutoff? You got to be maybe six five and two hundred forty pounds. I don't know. You know, uh, it's not like the days of of of, uh, of uh, Joe Lewis. You're 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 six foot or six two, or you're or even Marky Marciano. You're hundred. You're five foot ten, and you're one hundred eighty five pounds. You know. No, those days are gone. That's why. That's why the uh, the smaller heavyweight, even a guy like you know, I love Brian Jennings. I, I think he's a quality heavyweight. I, I think he's. A, let me rephrase that. I think he's a quality fighter, but in the heavyweight division, it, it's he's always going to have a tough time. You know, his opponents are outweighing him. You know, forty pounds, and that's why I feel that when Deontay Wilder finally fights a legitimate heavyweight, a, a you know today's heavyweight, a guy that's you know six five plus, two hundred and forty plus, um, that's in good shape, not just a fat pig. He's going to have trouble, you know, uh, because he's he's a tall heavyweight, but build wise, he's not. I got a question for you, Sal. Me? Yeah, Confucius uh, uh, in the chat Confucius, room said uh, that uh, two psychi uh, two psychiatrists pass uh, in the hall, and one says hello, and the other says, "I wonder what he meant by that," which I think is funny. <laughs> which reminds me of of a question for you: um, How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Oh man, let me try and figure this out. Uh, two? Well, actually, it, it only takes one, Sal. But the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> <laughs> hold that I thought. Like that. We're gonna see. Well, hold That's that thought. -rated. I like that. <laughs> hold that thought. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk a little about uh, two fights that are coming up. Uh, one's coming up Saturday, and one's coming up in a few weeks. And they both uh, involve fighters that have been there and done that. One more than the other in Miguel Cotto. And one that seems to have dropped off the interest radar in Sergey Kovalev. Don't go anywhere. So we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, glad you could be with us. And, uh, Sal, just to uh, follow up with the uh, heavyweight uh, discussion we were having, my man Ernie 
made an interesting point, and he's right. And, and I'm going to back it up with some scientific fact. Uh, he says, uh, don't forget, uh, Max Baer uh, knocked out Primo Carnera, and uh, he also uh, put uh, Joe Lewis, uh, and he outweighed them by uh, over 50 pounds. And he says wow. it's possible. It is possible. And some scientific uh, backing of that is they say, and you know who they, well, I've always wondered they. who they actually are. <laughs> but they say that uh, a, a, a man, specifically a man uh, that weighs uh, um, 175 pounds, so, you know, light heavyweight, has the strength to knock out, um, you know, any anyone really like you know uh, someone twice the weight uh you know your body can knock somebody out and that's uh, you know that would back up a lot of the what you just said you know rocky marciano never weighed more than 188 mike tyson in his prime uh you know best weight was 211 214 something like that right. you know um so 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 even uh, you know my comment about deontay wilder because i know ernie's a big deontay wilder fan um, wasn't to suggest he couldn't knock him out. It was more the other way around. I was thinking that Deontay Wilder needs to be tested by getting hit from a big, strong, you know, uh, a guy with a strong punch. Now, now remember something. Tyson Fury and Nikolai Valuev, two monsters in the heavyweight division, uh, or they were monsters in the heavyweight both of those guys did not seemingly pack the punch that you would have expected from the man, men that size, especially Valuev. Valuev was a monster. I, I Listen, I was in Denmark for a fight once, and uh, I, I was in the elevator uh, with Nikolai Valuev. And, and, and by the way, he couldn't even go in the regular elevator. This was like a, a what do they call him, a service elevator. You know, that's how we were able to get back and forth from the dressing rooms to the to you know the where we got into the uh, uh, venue, and he was there as a guest. And they said, "Now nah, you better go in the uh, you better you better travel in the service elevator. It's it's better, you know." And he was the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was almost <laughs> like funny. it was almost like uh, he wasn't real, you know. I mean, he was huge. I mean, just the, the, his whole height and width and girth and. Shoulder to shoulder, I mean, he was just a monster. But for a guy that big, and he was mean and ugly looking too, not, nothing personal, Nikolai, but uh, um, he, he didn't seemingly hit that hard. You know, uh, whereas you get some of these smaller guys like Mike Tyson and, you know, or even Triple G, when, uh, when they land a punch, it's like thudding. You know that it's, it packs a wallop. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I mean, and that's because they executed so professionally and so consistently and so devastatingly i mean you know it, it's uncorking the boom the, the trunk the solid the trunk and the thighs and you look at mike tyson he had quads on him like like a freaking frog i mean meaning like they're just so muscular same thing with with a lot of fighters marciano quads he had the biggest trunk bobby chez he's got a big trunk and the whole thing does it in that core that that waist those hips and the thighs that helps generate that speed, velocity, and punching power. The momentum of boom, you know, just coming snapping around. So yeah, you'll you'll look at any heavy puncher, devastating puncher. I guarantee they'll have a good solid core and their their uh, their their thighs are developed and their their whole uh, mid midsection is very well developed. 
Um, I wanted to talk a little about um, two uh, two fights that are uh, coming up, uh, and one of them is the uh, Miguel Cotto fight uh, that's taking place in a couple of weeks, December second, uh, at Madison Square Garden in in New York City on uh, uh, HBO. Now, I've always been a fan of Miguel Cotto. There's no question about it. Uh, this is a warrior. This is a guy that's fought some great fights. And really, you can make the argument that he's never been in a boring fight um, because of, uh, you know, his style, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, uh, he's getting ready for his final fight. Now, you know, I do have a couple of reservations about this final fight and how it's being uh, billed and everything else. I mean, remember... He is a world champion. He fought in his last fight uh, for the vacant WBO junior middleweight title. So he is a champion. And this will be a world title fight uh, when he uh, steps in the ring uh, on, uh, on December 2nd uh, when, he, uh, uh, when he's uh, fighting uh, Saddam Ali. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm really for this. Hey, everybody, this is my last fight. We have heard this from him before. He was going to retire several years ago. Um, I'm curious to know how many people are going to go to this fight. Miguel always draws uh, a large crowd at Madison Square Garden, uh, a big uh, a Puerto Rican fan base. And Saddam Ali is actually a New York fighter. And, you know, you got to assume he's going to draw. But what do you think is the real feeling about this fight Sal um do you think people are going to go to this fight and if so are they going to go to get the last glimpse at Kodo or do you think that this is actually a competitive fight what, what's your thoughts I think you're going to have people turn out for both reasons I think you know uh the fan base of both or each fighter are going to continually support their fighters, so they'll show up. That's an automatic, basically. And whether you're going to think you're going to witness Miguel Cotto's last fight, or uh... Uh, we just lost you, Sal. Um, I'm not sure uh, what happened with uh, Sal, but uh, we lost him. Um, but uh, but a anyway, I I think me personally, um, I think that. Uh, uh, I think Miguel Cotto, uh, there is some uh, interest in seeing him. And like I said, his fights are always exciting. Um, but uh, as far as uh, Saddam Ali, I think there's a great opportunity for him to, uh, to really uh, ruin the, uh, uh, the parade, so to speak, the victory lap, if you will, of, uh, of Miguel Cotto. Uh, so we'll have to uh, uh, wait and see about that. Miguel Cotto had a, uh, a quote. He says, I'm grateful for boxing and what it's done for me and my family. I owe a lot to boxing, and I have no regrets uh, for my career. I appreciate my whole career. It was a tough career. Um, can't deny and, and disagree with any of that statement from Miguel Cotto. And um, this is where, you know, earlier in the show we were talking about uh, BS artist uh, David Hay where you have a hard time believing anything that comes out of that clown's mouth Miguel Cotto's the anti-David Hay um, the only thing that 
uh, came out of his mouth uh, of uh, uh, in the past was about him retiring, and he actually, uh, um, you know, uh, never did when he said he would. But uh, I believe uh, and agree with everything he said in uh, this short snippet uh, I I took for you, uh, or just read for you. Um, the bottom line is uh, he has had a tough career. And it seems like uh, he's in the right place right now, mentally. Um, you know, there were some uh, rough times for him, uh, making decisions uh, about his career and uh, his personal uh, family decisions. And it seems like collectively they've made it. Uh, so I think uh, I think this fight means a lot to Miguel Cotto to look good and to go out uh, the way all of his fights were. And as far as Saddam Ali, I think Saddam Ali... Uh, is a fighter that uh, um, he's got something to prove, and he's got a, a really good opportunity here uh, to uh, uh, to do what he has to do. So uh, we'll see what uh, uh, what happens there. Um, the other fight that I, I, I wanted to talk about was the Sergey Kovalev. Um, you know, the return of Sergey Kovalev, and um, you know the the thing about Kovalev is that. He seemingly has lost uh, a lot of respect from a lot of different people, including myself. Um, and uh, we got Sal back uh, now. Uh, I, I don't know what happened there, my man. But, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Kovalev, I'm talking about Kovalev now. And, you know, they're trying to make this fight that he's having this weekend um, as, uh, in, in, in the words that they're using, uh, Kathy Duva specifically, uh, says that uh, uh, you know his his last fight was a wake up call and he's in a position to hit reset on his career etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think he's lost a lot of uh, respect uh, based on his last performance. What's your thoughts? Well, hey, Bill, I hate to be redundant, and I always say a fighter is only as good as his last fight. And with that being said, I, I saw a Kovalev in the ring against Andre Ward that, that was supposed to revisit his performance of the first fight where I do believe that Sergei Kovalev did defeat Andre Ward in that first fight. I, 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 that's what we all saw, or a lot of us saw. And we expected to see even a more dominant uh, Sergei Kovalev. And what we saw was uh, Kovalev, who didn't do as he said he was going to do, and that he was uh, easily hit in the middle section and then down and looking for the referee, in my opinion, to stop the fight because he didn't put up much opposition. What are you doing? What do you mean stop him? Now, he, he didn't he – didn't, I saw a quitter. I saw somebody that was just there going through the motion, and right then and there I lost all respect that I had for Sergei Kovalev. And uh, I have no interest in following him or, following or watching him, except for the show purpose, that's it. You remember the show back in the uh, the 80s called Max Headroom? It was on MTV. That's how you're looking and sounding yeah, right that now. Hair. That, that, that's how you're looking and sounding right now. Um, I don't know what's going on with, uh, with your connection, but uh, you reminded me of Max Headroom. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I um, um, think that Kovalev... You know, and, and we had some comments about that in the uh, chat room, uh, I believe it was yesterday, 
that was saying, well, you know, uh, Kovalev uh, Ward cheated or, or uh, you know, hit him below the belt and, and didn't get uh, uh, any help from the ref, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, my, my outlook on Kovalev was that, you know, Kovalev talked a lot. And the first fight was was controversial. I, I do believe that Kovalev got robbed in the first fight. And I don't mean robbed. I, I shouldn't use that word. But I I thought Kovalev won the first fight. It was a close fight, but I thought he won it. Um, the, uh, the title of the second fight was No Excuses. And uh, we certainly heard a plethora of excuses from Sergey Kovalev. And not only that. But, uh, you know, he seemingly did not want to engage. And he talked a lot of smack leading up to the fight. You know, there's nothing worse than a fight, in my opinion. There's nothing worse than a fighter who talks smack and doesn't even attempt to back it up. And that's what I saw with Sergey Kovalev. Uh, Sergey Kovalev uh, was a typical school boy, schoolyard bully who uh, somebody stood up to and he backed down, you know, looking for the referee for help. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the saddest part is that Andre Ward, who's not known as a knockout puncher, not only predicted he was going to knock out Kovalev, but he did. You know, um, so, I, I mean, for Ward, that was nothing but positives for him. For Kovalev, I don't think there's much, much interest in him anymore, not just from myself and Sal, but I think that uh, we're going to see that the uh, attendance is not that great at Madison Square Garden this weekend. And uh, I also think that... Uh, um, you know, the, the ratings aren't going to be that good. And the fact that the WBO has anteed up and made this fight for a vacant title for Kovalev, since when can a fighter come off of not one but two losses, regardless of, of uh, whether you thought he won uh, the first fight or not? On record, it's a loss. How can a sanctioning body uh, give a fighter a world title shot coming off of back-to-back losses, Sal. I mean, how can they justify that? You know, it's amazing because it really, it does not make sense. You talk about credibility. I mean, he did have two back-to-back losses, and here he is going in the ring for a title fight. Uh, and, And that just tells you how many belts there are that are available that they're looking for champions. I mean, that's pathetic. That's the whole thing. And and Sergey Kovalev uh, qualifies and and is next in line for a, that kind of belt, you know. Uh, it's a participation trophy, right? That's know. what it is. And you know, um, as a sanctioning body, you're devaluing your belts by doing. Well, that. that's it. And yes, yeah, but but you know, that's us looking at it from a value point for the belt itself. But the truth of the matter is, is they obviously don't care. Who gets the belt as long as somebody pays the sanctioning fee? Well, you're for, you're right there, Bill. And like I said, you know, had he uh, had a fight before and looked good during that fight and, and said, hey, Kate, I'm now back on top or whatever. But to come off two losses, consecutive losses, and fight for a title, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, in my opinion, devaluing the, uh, the belt. Um, to, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, a little bit about Mikey Garcia. Uh, last week, uh, Mikey Garcia, it, it became uh, known that he turned down a unification fight between Jorge Linares, uh, Linares uh, to, uh, to fight. Uh, they, uh, according to Golden Boy, they gave him everything he asked for. Uh, the money uh, was split the way uh, Garcia wanted. 
uh, the weights were the way he everything was in Garcia's uh, uh, favor, and he uh, decided uh, not to uh, take the fight. Um, you know uh, what he ended up doing, uh, what hasn't been announced yet, uh, that uh, he was offered a better deal financially uh, to fight on a rival network, uh, which was uh, Showtime, to fight Robert Easter. Um, according to uh, De La Hoya, uh, Team De La Hoya, uh, they had given him everything that he asked for, uh, the purse, the split, uh, everything that uh, Mikey Garcia's team had asked for, and at the end of the day, he turned down the Linares fight and is accepting a Robert Easter Jr. fight on uh, Showtime. Um, you know, when, and no one loves Mikey Garcia more than me. But, you know, when it becomes all about the money, and which uh, this clearly is the case, and I'm not going to cr- criticize Garcia in a sense for taking more money for an, a legitimately easier fight in Robert Easter Jr. But, Sal, when do you sit down with your team and look at, you know, arguably similar dollars and say to yourself, you have something to prove that you are the best and actually lean towards, on paper, what seems to be the tougher fight plus a unification fight, plus it could only add more value to your bottom line in fighting Jorge Linares versus Robert Easter Jr. What's your thoughts on Mikey Garcia's decision here? Well, I think it was uh, a little bit short-sighted on that level, unless they just said, hey, guess what? Let's get this one. It's a, it's an easy one. We'll build up uh, some more momentum, and we'll go fight the uh, the next one. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I would think that they should have sat down, really look at, not only, you got to look at, mapping out a career what you're doing with one fight in front of you what's it going to do to you what is it going to make you where is it going to position you in in that whole arena of world-class fighters and then you got to look okay after that fight if we get through that where is the next step the next the next opponent uh what's going to bring the most money what's going to bring the most recognition what's going to bring the most uh credibility so you're mapping out a career so to speak and uh, I think this one, it was just maybe a little sidestep. And for whatever reason, they felt they had to take this fight for the money. And maybe they have their own personal reasons. Who knows? Yeah, well, you know, Mikey Garcia is arguably one of the best fighters in boxing. And uh, it seems like, you know, he took uh, more money for the least amount of risk, which I'm not going to well, criticize him for. Can't criticize him. But, I mean, but, uh, but on the other hand, but here comes the but. You know, but, but, but you know when you have a chance to be discussed uh, with all-time greats, uh, I think you need to take that opportunity, and uh, that's something that uh, Mikey might be passing up on. But uh, hey, there's uh, a big fight uh, tonight. Well, it's not a big fight, but the return of Devon Alexander, and he's taking on Walter Castillo uh, tonight on uh, uh, Tuesday Night Fights, and I just wanted to take a look at uh, both of these fighters real quick. Um, Devon Alexander, former world uh, junior welterweight and uh, welterweight champion, loved De- Devon Alexander when he fought. Um, he hasn't fought in over two years. His last fight was a 10-round unanimous decision loss against Aaron Martinez uh, back in uh, uh, October of, uh, uh, of uh, 2015. And, um, 
you know, he's uh, we lost Sal again. Um, uh, so I apologize for that. Obviously, he's uh, uh, in an area that I, I can't get him back. But um, Aaron Martinez, uh, not that he's a terrible fighter, but definitely Devon Alexander uh, was uh, eons uh, above him and came up uh, short in a 10-round uh, fight. He also lost a 12-round decision uh, against Amir Khan uh, a year prior to that. So, and actually, in his last four fights, which date back to December of 2013, when he lost his welterweight title to Sean Porter uh, in Brooklyn on December 7th in 2013, uh, he has lost three of his last four fights, including that one. Uh, the only win he has was a 10-round decision of a Jesus Soto Carras in 2014. Now, prior to that fight against Sean Porter, this guy was uh was winning uh you know all the fights the only loss that he had on his record was a technical decision to timothy bradley in 2011 uh when he lost his junior welterweight title i uh had seen uh, uh devon alexander uh several times uh, uh live you know he, he started really uh coming into promise back in 2008 when he beat a then very respectable demarcus chop chop corley uh, with a 12-round decision, uh, Cor Chop Chop Corley was 31-7 and seven with a draw at the time, almost 10 years ago. Um, and Devon Alexander followed that up with a uh, impressive wins uh, over Miguel Callist. And then Christopher Fernandez, who was a tough guy, he, he had a, a, a real easy fight in between. But Christopher Fernandez, although his record wouldn't look uh, that way when they fought, he, he was a, a, a tough guy. He also beat Jesus Rodriguez, junior winner, uh, when uh, he won his uh, junior welterweight title uh, back in 2009. Then a fight that I was ringside for uh, against Juan Urango. This was a unification fight uh, for the uh, junior uh, uh, lightweight or, or junior welterweight division, I should say. In 2010, it was at the Mohegan Sun uh, Casino in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, I, it's funny because I, I was thinking uh, Juan Urango, you know, because he, he was destroying people at the time. And I'll never forget uh, putting some money on Juan Urango and then picking up my credential and overhearing the, the, the uh, uh, team of Urango basically saying that he hurt his arm and, he, and they kept it from the doctors and everything and that he shouldn't even be in the fight. And I'm like, oh, geez, I had just put some money on uh, Urango to win the fight. And uh, Urango still gave Devon Alexander a tough time. I was ringside for that. And the funny thing about it was that the post-fight, uh, and, and, and ultimately Juan Urango was stopped, uh, vicious uppercut, if I recall correctly, in the eighth round. Uh, and at the end of the fight, uh, Devon Alexander was, had the mic in his hand, and he's saying, I was never touched. Juan Urango never hurt me, never hit me, never did this, never did that. And you should have seen, I don't know if they, they showed it on uh, TV or not, because it was, a, I think it was an HBO broadcast, but you should have seen the red marks on his body from the, the punishment that Juan Urango, one-handed Juan Urango, was, uh, was inflicting on him. He clearly took some punishment in that fight, but won. And he followed that with a win against uh, Kultaknik, uh, Andre Kultaknik in... Uh, uh, Missouri in his hometown in St. Louis in 2010 and then he ultimately lost uh, his titles uh, to Timothy Bradley 
he would get back up on his horse and win back-to-back fights against uh, Matisse and Marcos Maidana, uh, and then got another world title shot against Randall Bailey uh, when Bailey had the IBF World Welterweight title and won that. He had one successful uh, defense against Lee Purdy and then lost his title to Sean Porter and then uh, lost, um, including that fight, three of his last four. Like I said earlier, only beating Jesus Soto Carras. Now he steps in the ring with uh, uh, Walter Castillo, who's never fought, as far as I know, at 147. He's uh, campaigned his whole career uh, in, uh, in the junior uh, welterweight division. He's uh, five foot ten. Uh, two inches taller than uh, Alexander. Um, he's an orthodox fighter. Alexander's a southpaw. And um, he's coming off a year layoff as well. Uh, in his last four fights, he's got one win, two losses, and a draw. Uh, his last fight was a uh, knockout loss to Sergi Lipinitz uh, a, over a year ago in uh, two, 2016. Uh, he had a majority draw against uh, uh, Kita uh, Obara. Uh, in uh, November of 2015. Amit Diaz, uh, in uh, July of 2015, he stopped in three rounds, and he lost a 10-round decision to Amir Oman in 2015. Um, Wasta Castillo is a tough fighter, and he's a tough guy for Devon Alexander to come right back in after a two-year layoff. However, Walter Castillo... Um, has um, beaten tough guys throughout his career, if you look through his resume, but he's never beaten a top guy. And I'm not suggesting that Devon Alexander is back at the top yet, but he's certainly along those lines of fighters that had given Walter Castillo trouble in the past. I think this is an important fight for Devon Alexander. He is the main event on a Tuesday night fight. His brother... His actual older brother, who did seven years in a slammer, uh, is uh, also fighting. I don't know if he's fighting on this card, but he's uh, uh, you know returned to his career and doing well. So I think Devon has some support uh, of his brother, and uh, he's going to give it another go. I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, is uh, he's uh, 30 years old, uh, and um, you know uh, just turned 30 in February, so he's pushing 31. He's had two years to uh, uh, recoup, I would say. Um, 26 wins, four losses, never was stopped. Has 14 knockouts, big fight for him. Both fighters weighed in under the 147-pound limit. Devon Alexander, despite being off two years, came right in at perfect weight, 146 and three-quarter. And Walter Castillo weighed uh, 146 and one-quarter. Like I said, uh, Castillo moving up in weight for this one. Um, I think that Devon Alexander uh, should have no problem. Well, I think he's going to win the fight. Whether he has a problem or not, uh, we'll see uh, later on. But uh, I'm picking Devon Alexander. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, like I said, uh, for some reason we've lost Sal. Uh, but when I come back, um, we got that question again. Don't go nowhere. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. 
to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And again, I apologize. Uh, my man Sal uh, is in his secret undisclosed location. And uh, he's having uh, some hard times uh, uh, getting back to us. So uh, he will be back tomorrow. And speaking of tomorrow, don't forget we're going to have Boxing Hall of Famer uh, and New Jersey uh, Boxing Commissioner Larry Hazard uh, join us tomorrow. And we have this week's Blast from the Past, uh, which features uh, Tony the Tiger Lopez, former world champion Alex Papali, will be here to tell us about that. And then we're off for the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be back Monday. Uh, so uh, make sure you mark that down, but take your time and uh, go back and uh, watch some of the shows or listen to some of the shows that you might have missed uh, in the past. It's a good time to, to catch up on that. Um, our trivia question, which is a tough one, I guess. I thought it was a little easier because of uh, uh, that guy Google. Um, but uh, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. And, and that's not just for the uh, email. Uh, I mean, that email address is not just for the trivia question answer. If, if you want to email us something uh, to read or if you have a question, comment, uh, or concern you want to uh, give to us, uh, that's the email address to use, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. Especially if you're uh, a business owner, and you want to uh, get involved with the show in terms of uh, sponsorship, definitely drop us an, an email. Uh, we're looking to expand our uh, sponsors. And as we uh, grow and our new series, uh, which you'll be seeing in the press uh, Monday, I'll be doing a press release, but I'll let you guys know right now. Uh, we have been uh, added uh, uh, to several uh, television networks uh, that are going to be kicking off uh, with our new series called Billy C's Boxing Revisited. And um, keep, uh, keep your eyes open for a press release that I'll be sending out on uh, Monday. Uh, but if you look at our website, BillyCBoxing.com, you'll see three of the networks, um, actually four of the networks, right up on there. Um, so uh, check them out and uh, support them. Make sure you... Uh, reach out to every one of those networks and tell them that uh, you want more Billy C on their network, and uh, we'll we'll get there. So, anyway, back to the trivia question. If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. It's the same simulation game that Alex Perpali uses for our blast from the past. Here's the question. I am in the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and I once lost four consecutive fights against two brothers. Who am I? I am in the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and I once lost four consecutive fights against two brothers. Who am I? I'm going to give you a hint here. This guy's first and last name both begin with the same letter. His first and last name both begin with the same letter. And and I'll throw you another piece of a hint. It was his fighting name 
that begins with the same letter, first and fast, uh, first and last name. I am in the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and I once lost four consecutive fights against two brothers. Who am I? The hint, his boxing name, or uh, as we knew him as a boxer, uh, both his first and last name begin with the same letter. Good luck to everyone on that one. On this day in boxing history, November 21st, in 1987, Julian Jackson knocks out Injol Beck, Injol Beck, uh, in the third round to win the vacant WBA World Junior Middleweight title took place in Vegas. On this day in 1987, Julio Cesar Chavez knocks out Edwin Rosario in the 11th round to win the WBA World Lightweight title and took place in Las Vegas. On this day in 1984, uh, Kyoshi Galaxy knocks out Abusio Espinel in the 6th round to win the vacant WBA Junior Bantamweight title took place in Bangkok. On this day in 1916, Jack Britton wins a 12-round decision over Charlie White to retain his world welterweight title, and that took place in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, that is. On this day in 1981, Alexis Arguello knocks out Roberto Elzondo in the seventh round to retain his WBC world lightweight title, and that took place at the Showboat Casino in Las Vegas. Guess who was ringside for that? That's right, yours truly. And on this day, in 1972, Muhammad Ali knocks out Bob Foster in the eighth round to retain his NABF heavyweight title, and that took place at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel in Stateline, Nevada, on this day, November 21st. Hey, before I let you go, I'm going to fill you in on something. Just remember one thing. When you buy a bushel of bananas, remember one thing. Out of that whole bushel of bananas or that whole, I don't know what you call them, that clump of bananas, there's not a banana in that bunch that's older than the rest of the bananas in that bunch. You can't say that for about an apple or an orange or anything else because as uh, those other fruits, uh, you know, ripen, one may be a little riper than the other. One may be a little older than the other, but not with bananas because they're all the same age. A little interesting tidbit there. Hey, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.